How many of you ever feel like you're just existing? You ever feel that way? I mean, like it's 2003 and then now it's 2013 and just flown by, hadn't it? I mean, life, life moves quickly, doesn't it? And oftentimes, <clears throat> if we're not careful, we, uh, you know, the old saying is two things you have to do. <clears throat> you have to pay taxes and you have to die. And sometimes it seems like we're just paying taxes until that happens, right? It's certainly true about organizations or about churches. Sometimes you feel like you're just, you're just moving along and you don't know why you're moving or where you're going. Well, tonight, Clayton lied to you this morning, <clears throat> not on purpose, but he did. We're not going to be in Hebrews. We're going to be in Joshua. So if you found Hebrews, go all the way to the other end of the Bible. And we're going to look at Joshua chapter 3. I thought it would be fitting on a night we were going to uh, eat ice cream and I was going to say in memory, I guess in honor uh, of Cindy and I, which is, uh, <laughs> honor's a much better term there, in, at least from my perspective, uh, that it would be good tonight to look at our future as a church and also as individuals because God doesn't want us just to exist. God doesn't want us just to pay taxes. God just doesn't want us to consume oxygen. In fact, in Joshua chapter 3, I want to begin by saying this. God has great plans for us. God has great plans for you. God has great plans, I hope, for me. God has great plans for our church. I believe that. I believe that's biblical. I believe it's right. In Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through verse 4, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. In verse 4, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. That's kind of scary, isn't it? But keep a distance of about a 1,000 yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. This is my add-on. Or you will certainly die if you touch it like some dumb people do later on uh, in the, uh, the Old Testament. Folks, <coughs> the Jewish people, corporately, <coughs> were on the verge of some great things. Now, it's very important to hear this. They were on the verge of some great things 40 years earlier, too, and didn't realize it. It didn't accomplish it. You remember? As individuals and as a group, they were on the verge of some tremendous things that the Lord had for them and, and I believe that's true for you and me also. I don't know how much longer I'll be alive or you'll be alive or when Jesus will come back. Nobody knows that for certain, for sure. For certain, for sure. They don't know. I sounded kind of contradictory and oxymoronic, but I guess it probably was that. But I know this, that God's put us here and God's left our church here. And I believe he has plans for us, great plans for us. There's a great verse many of us have memorized years ago, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? I know the plan. Read that with me. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Isn't that exciting? That, that, that's, a, that's a great word for us and for us corporately. I want to take just a second and kind of walk you through what do God's plans for you look like? I can't give you specifics. I can't say you need to buy this business or you need to retire or you need to make your wife act better. I can't tell you for sure. 
But I, I want to lay out what God's plans for them involved and what they will for, for you and me. One, they're progressive. They're moving forward. That scares some people, doesn't it? It would be nice if we could pick a year and the world would stop there. Amen? It'd probably been in the 80s for me. We'd be in 1984 forever or whatever. 1980, senior year in high school is a pretty good year. We just stop there. But that's not how it works. But, but the great news is God's plans are progressive. They're moving forward, and that should be a positive thing for most of us. Here's the second thing. They're exciting. You know, the most excitement you're going to find in life is not going your own way. It's going God's way. Do you know that? A lot of people think, oh, if I follow God, oh, it's going to be boring. Oh, it's going to be dull. Oh, it's going to be religious and just, you know, I'm going to have to do chants and things like that. The most exciting life you and I will find is by following God. The most excitement this church will have in the future is if we follow God. That's neat, isn't it? That's neat and that's great. Here's the third thing. You won't like this, but it's true. It it may be some big changes. Hey, the Jewish people were fixing to undergo some huge changes. But it's going to be great. It was going to be progressive. It was going to be exciting. How do you think you can have a great future and nothing will ever change? That's heaven, right? That involves you dying first, okay? So let's stay in the land of the living. And who knows, heaven, God may change everything up every five years anyway just to confuse us, especially us Baptists, just kind of throw everything out of order. Who knows? But God's plans may involve some changes. They were certainly going to for these people. And the fourth thing, God's plans are positive. They're positive. What God has for you and me is positive. Now, I don't mean that that's absence of strife or negativity. It's absence of calluses and hard times. But God's plans are progressive, exciting, and they're positive. Gordon McDonald is a preacher and a writer, but when he was a young man, he was a track star. When he was a freshman in high school, his coach had timed him in the mile. About three months later, he brought him in. He said, Gordon, by the time you're a senior, if you don't have an injury, here is the time that you're going to complete the mile in. Gordon McDonald looked at it and said, there is no way I can do that mile that fast ever. He goes, Gordon, I've already got it planned out for you. Here's how we're going to train month by month. Over the next four years. Gordon, this time next year, you're going to run a mile at this speed. And this time, a year and a half at this speed. And two years at this speed. And at three years, this speed. Three and a half. And he said, by the time we get to the end of your senior year, you're going to win the state championship. And guess what happened? That's exactly what happened. You know, I wish sometimes God would just call me up and say, get on your computer. I'm going to send you something. Email it. God emails, I'm sure. And I wish he'd just lay it out. Here's what it's going to be. But you know what? I'm afraid if he did, I'd crawl in the corner and cry. <laughs> I'd do exactly what Gordon McDonald said and said, no way I can accomplish that. But, folks, God, ha- God has a sheet for you in heaven. God has plans for you. Progressive, exciting, may involve change, may scare the pants off of you, but they really are positive. God was fixing to turn these people's worlds upside down personally and corporately. And he wants to do that for us, too. I heard a great story happened years ago when drugstores used to be kind of a a hamburger shop. How many of you old-timers remember that? 
I remember that, and I'm not an old-timer. I don't know why I'm raising said old-timers, but you guys don't remember that. But drugstores used to be a place you'd go. Not only you get medicine, but you could get a milkshake. You could get a hamburger. You could get candy. Basically, it was kind of a catch-all store uh, and kind of a community place where people would go to. And uh, th- this little boy walked in with his mother one day, and there was a big candy jar full of suckers on the on the counter, and the druggist looked at the little boy and said, Son, you want a sucker? He said, Sure. And the druggist opened it up, and he took the, the jar and put it in front of the boy and said, Reach your hand in there and grab as many as you can. And the boy looked at him, and then he looked at the candy jar, and he looked at his hand, and he just stood there. And the, finally his mother said, Son, what are you doing? He said, I want the druggist to put his hand in there and grab the suckers for me because his hand is bigger than mine. You know what? If I was to put my hand and create my own dreams, they'd be a lot smaller than what God wants for you and for me in our church. Isn't that good? I think that's great. Let me tell you, there's some important principles that you have to follow to realize God's plans. God has plans, but we must follow God's principles. In other words, because God wants to do great things with our church, because God wants to do great things and your life doesn't mean it's going to happen. Again, it, it didn't happen for these Jewish people corporately or individually 40 years earlier because they weren't willing to do it God's way. What do these plans look like? Let me, let me lay some things out to you. Patience. Patience. Isn't that an ugly word? It is to me. And in, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Early in the morning, Joshua and the Israelites set out, and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officer went throughout the camp, getting them ready to go. God's plan was not for the Jewish people, all about two million of them, to get to the river and just say, We see the, we see the promised land. Let's go for it. Let's cross it. Here we are. Let's do it. God had a plan, and it, one of the part of his plan involved patience. How many of you are impatient about not being patient enough? How many of you wish God would give you more patience right now? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? When I was a little growing up, my dad did this with all four of us kids. When we got to a certain age, he opened up a checking account for us. And he, he managed it, but he was trying to teach us how you write a check and you manage money and you balance it every month. It was a, it was a smart thing, uh, you know, and there was like $3 in there, so it wasn't like anything could ever happen to it. I heard another father had done this with his young girl. She was about nine years old. They went into the bank, and, and the daddy put some of her money from her little piggy bank in there, and, and they were explaining to her the money stays in here and it grows as, as you don't use it. It, it. The interest develops and you get more money. And so they filled out all the paperwork and they're getting ready to go. The little girl just sat there. The daddy got up and said, honey, let's go. And she didn't move. He said, what are you waiting on? He said, she said, daddy, I'm waiting on that interest. I'm waiting on that money to grow. We're like that, aren't we? But, but God's plans doesn't happen in a microwave. We live in a microwave society, don't we? God's plans don't happen overnight for a church or for you or for your family. It takes patience. Here's the second thing he lays out to us, and that's the word prayer. Verse 5 through 7, what you see is you see praying people. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. 
Joshua said to the priests, take the Ark of the Covenant and pass it on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so they may know that I am with you and I was with Moses. You know what was going on here? Joshua and God were communicating. They were talking. They were talking, communicating. It wasn't just Joshua talking to God. It was God talking and Joshua listening too. Folks, part of realizing God's dream for your life is you've got to talk to God a lot and you've got to let him talk to you a lot. How many of you is it easier for you to talk to God than you to be quiet and let God talk to you? That's harder, isn't it? Certainly God clearly speaks through Scripture, but God wants to speak to us in our prayer time and through the Holy Spirit. Folks, a church, a church is not going to accomplish God's dreams for its future simply by majority votes. Churches are going to accomplish God's plans by finding what God's will is and by doing what God's will is. You are not going to accomplish God's best for your future simply through your own wisdom, your own creativity, and your own intellect. You're going to find it and accomplish it as you seek and hear from God. Prayer is a huge part of it. And the third thing is the word planning. These people planned. In verse 2, he said, after three days, they went to the camp. They gave orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, don't just run to the river. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you move out from your positions, follow it. Then you will know which way to go. You've never been this way. Keep a distance of about 1,000 yards between you and the Ark. Don't go near it. In verse 5, Joshua said, consecrate yourself. In other words, Joshua was was not only they were patient in praying, but they were planning, they were, they were dreaming, but they were figuring out how they were supposed to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. Folks, never forget, planning is not unspiritual. Planning is right when it's guided by prayer and by the Holy Spirit and the principles of God. In other words, God wants you to, to seek Him and to expect miracles from Him, but God also expects you to use your head and to plan and try to figure out things as much as you can on the right direction to go. God has principles that we need to follow. Now, here's the third thing, and this is where we start getting into scary territory. We must be willing to step out in faith. Okay. You want to accomplish, have a great future. You want, you, you want your life to be all that God wants it to be. We as a church want to be all God wants us to be. This is the toughest part right here. We got to at some point be willing to step out in faith and do what God is going to tell us to do. You see, praying and planning and organizing is all part of the gig. But at some point, you've got to say, I'm going to act on what God's telling me to do. In verse 1, we won't read it again, but they says, hey, we're getting ready to cross over to the other land. In verse 15, listen to this. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, and we'll, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Okay. They're on this side. The promised land is on this side, and down the middle is the Jordan River. Normally, the Jordan River is calm, it's docile, it's easy to cross. Except March, April, and May during the grain harvest during this time of the year. 
where they were crossing over, normally what they would have done is they would have come down one embankment, a second embankment, all on dry land, and then they would have gotten to the riverbed, crossed the river, and crossed over. March, April, May, in that, the snow is melting from Mount Hermon. It's, it's a rainy season, too. And so instead of having two levels down to the river, all those levels are full of water, and the, the water is a raging torrent during this time of the year. This complicates the dream, doesn't it? It certainly complicates the dream. I think we have a picture, Brian. If you can see, that is the Jordan River right there during the, uh, probably about the time of the year when the Israelites were getting ready to cross. Now, where they were getting ready to cross normally would have been about 60 to 70 yards wide and docile. It's twice as big during the flood season. So you're talking 120 to 150 yards, uh, football field, football field and a half, wide river, raging torrent over your head. You have a problem, don't you? And you've got two million people, and, you know, that is not a good thing. God's not going to leave you where you are unless you want to stay where you are. God's not going to leave a church where it is unless it just decides it's not going to move forward and, and go with him. And so you get to this scary part here where you've got to say, if we are going if we are going to realize the future God has for us, at some point, you've got to step out in faith. In other words, you've got to put yourself on the line, and you've got to be willing to move forward. Folks, stepping out in faith, number one, a lot of times, it, it's not going to make sense. It, it may not make sense. We talk about this a lot. Why in the world do we expect God to always make sense to us? And God's going to show you things with your life that he wants to do in your life. And it's not going to make sense. And that's going to bother you because some of your engineers or your, you got PhDs or you're a medical doctor or you're a lawyer or you're just really smart, period. And you're going to go, well, I can't figure this out. You know what? Good. That may mean you're on to a God thing. I want, I want to read you a story. I was going to just share it, but it, it's so funny and it's absolutely true. In fact, the people who put it on the Internet went back and verified it to find out uh, if it was true. And this actually happened in 1993. FBI agents conducted a raid on Southwood Psychiatric Hospital in San Diego, California. They basically went in there because they, they fraud was going on, and they had the patients moved to another location. They came in and shut down the psychiatric hospital. They'd been working all day this first day, and they were hungry. So they call a pizza parlor. And I'm going to kind of walk you through. The agent says, hello, I would like to order 19 large pizzas and 67 Cokes. The pizza man said, great, where would you like them delivered? He said, to the psychiatric hospital. Pizza man said, the psychiatric hospital. He said, yes, that's right, I'm an FBI agent. <laughs> the pizza man said, so you're an FBI agent. That's correct. Everybody here at the hospital is an FBI agent. Pizza man said, and you're at the psychiatric hospital? And the agent said, that's correct. And make sure you don't go through the front doors. We have them locked. You will have to go around to the back to the service entrance to deliver the pizzas. And the pizza man says again, and you say, you're all FBI agents. That's right. How soon can you have them there? And the pizza man says again, 
And everyone at the psychiatric hospital is an FBI agent. He said, that's right. We've been working here all day and we're starving. And the pizza man says, how are you going to pay for this? And the FBI agent says, I have my checkbook right here. And the pizza man says, and you're all FBI agents? And he says, that is correct. And then there was a click on the other end of Scott Braswell's pizza delivery at that point. (laughs) You know what? That story is absolutely true. But if you're the pizza man, that did not make sense. Amen? And God's not going to always make sense. In fact, I'm going to tell you, the farther you go with God, the less sense it's going to make. And that's okay. That's what stepping out in faith involves. Here's the second thing. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it yourself. Listen, the greatest leader in the world cannot get 200 men, women, excuse me, 2 million men, women, and children across a 150-foot river that's over their heads, that's raging. It can't happen. This is before the days of barges and and good boats and anything like this. And and I want to tell you, when you get to a point in your life, when you look and say, I can't do this, you may be sniffing out where God wants you to go. You know, as a church, I don't like that spot. I like, as a church, every bit of the money to be there I like for there to be a 100% majority vote. And I like people to be calling me and going, when are we going to build that, that indoor swimming pool that's going to cost $100 million? By the way, that is never going to happen while I'm here. But wouldn't it be exciting? People call and say, I'm going to buy the diving board. I'm going to make it the Tony Corley diving board. I will pay for it right now. But that just doesn't happen. You get to a point where you're following God, it's not going to make sense, and you may not be able to do it. And, and so here's the third thing. You've got to act in faith. If you're going to accomplish what God wants you to do with your life, if we as a church, your business, your family, you're going to not only have to sit around and go, yes, I have faith, yes, I believe, you're going to have to get up and get going. In verse 13 through 15 of this story, things begin to get hairy. As soon as the priest who carry the ark, he's telling them of the Lord, the Lord of heaven set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in the heat. Did you notice that? As soon as, as, soon as they get to the water, everything's going to be okay. What a terrible day to be a priest. Amen. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. How many of you agree those dudes were praying like they'd never prayed before? Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the season, the harvest season. Yet as soon as the priests carried the ark, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched water's edge. We'll go to the rest of the story in just a moment. Here's what God said to them. I want you to move out. You get the ark, it's the presence of God. You priests carrying it. But God, the water's still there. I want you to move. God, we are going to die if we go into that water. I think that's when you stop and have a business meeting and you pray really hard. Are we sure we've heard God? And you know, there may have been some people in that camp that were excited and were cheering, but I guarantee you there was a lot of people that were crossing their fingers and praying hard. Because they didn't know what was going to happen. Joshua believed God. A lot of them, you know, had to be scared. But nothing was going to happen until they stepped out 
and did what God told them. Did you get that? Nothing was going to happen until they stepped out and did what God told them to do. Folks, I read a great quote this week I want to share with you. Faith may or may not go counter to reason, but it'll always carry you beyond reason. Did you get that? Following God may or may not go counter to reason. In other words, sometimes what God's going to tell you to do is going to go completely against common sense and what you could logically figure out. But it'll always go beyond reason and intellect. And that is so true today. Hebrews 11.6 tells us this, though. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, I want to tell you this real quick because I think this is important. Faith in God is not this. Here's what some people do. Well, I didn't know what to do, so I just stepped out in faith. That is, that is called being dumb. Okay? Don't get on the high dive at night and go, I don't know if there's water in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in faith and just dive and find out. Splat. Faith in God is this. It's when you know what to do and it doesn't make sense and it's going to be real hard and people aren't going to understand and people may not support you, but you go ahead and do it anyway. Did you get that? Faith is not not knowing what to do and acting. Faith's knowing what to do when it's going to be hard. It may not make sense. Other people may not be in agreement, but you go ahead and do it anyway. And here's my last question. Will we accomplish God's plans? I'm going to tell you something sad. Most people will not. Most people, most churches, they they won't. Let me give you a little history. Over 40 years ago in this story, God had the children of Israel, the Jewish people, at the promised land. He said, guys, let's go in there. It's yours. Oh, they saw giants. They they were dumb enough. They took a big vote. And the, the spies were two, four, ten against. And the majority of the people followed the negative spies. And here's what God said. God said, if you as a corporate group and as individual adults, if you want to die in the desert instead of getting your dream, I'm going to let you do it. Isn't that scary? And everybody 20 years old and older died in the desert. And their kids had to wander around for 40 years because mom and daddy wouldn't trust God. I have a pastor friend. About 15 years ago, he led his church. They were, they were kind of in the, the brush, kind of in the, the country off of a beaten path. He led them to buy five acres of land on a major highway in Texas. I mean a highway where probably a thousand cars go up and down that may be two or three thousand every single day they bought land right there I mean right frontage on that property they had that land paid for my friend left and went to another church five or six years later they decided well we think we'd rather just stay right where we are so they bought an old house next to their current property tore it down and built up a metal shell right there and instead of running five or six hundred today, they're running about fifty. 
They just built him a tabernacle on the other side of the river and said, we'd rather stay here. God will let you stay on that side of the river if that's what you want. But the flip side of that is that we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Let's read the rest of the story here. In verse 15, in verse 15, it picks up. They carried the ark, they reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge. When it did, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Serenthan, while the water flowing down to the salt sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation completed the crossing on dry ground. Say amen. amen. Isn't that exciting? Now, I want you to remember the water is flooded. It is flowing fast. Show us that picture again, Brian. That's the Jordan River right there. Now, I think where they were, it would have been much broader, but that's the Jordan River. The, the miracle did not happen until their toes touched the water. Did you get that? I want the miracle to happen when I'm about 150 yards away from the water. Don't you? The miracle happened when their toes hit the water. Now, here's a very interesting thing. That city, Adam, is about 16 to 20 miles north of here. And the banks right there in that area are about 40 feet high. And in the past, there have been mudslides that have literally stopped the water flow there. And, and even in 1927, there was a tremendous mudslide that cut the water flow uh, in the Jordan River for like 21 hours. And that may have been the miracle that God did, that at that exact time when they hit that, that water, the water had stopped up, up north. And here's another miracle. You notice it says they walked over on dry ground. A riverbed was completely dry. Man, I want to tell you, that's exciting, isn't it? I mean, that is absolutely thrilling. And, and, and what's, what's thrilling about that? is we're told in the New Testament God gave us all the rest of the Bible to teach us, to inspire us, and to challenge us. Here's what I'll tell you tonight. That God has great plans for you and for our church. And if we're willing to follow Him, and at some point we're going to have to be willing to walk out and let our feet hit the water and let God do the miracle. But if we will, what God wants to do with us is unlimited. I want to ask you tonight, will we let God do it? Will you let him do it personally? You're not a Christian tonight. Come give your life to Christ. You want to join our church? Come join our church this evening. If you're here tonight as a Christian and a member of this church family, why don't you say with me where you're standing or at the altar, first of all, as an individual, God, whatever you've got for me, I want it. Whatever you've got for me, I want it. And God, give me the courage to follow you. And will you say this with me as a church? God, whatever you want for us as a church, we don't want to stand on the wrong side of the promised land. God, help us to be willing to do whatever it is you want us to do. How many of you want to go to the promised land? And I'm not talking about heaven. <laughs> it's up to us. Let's stand.